Welcome back to Mox Madness. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. I have no idea what Nathan is doing with the boop 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 these days. He's got off the track. yeah, this isn't a uniform, man. This is jazz. We're not. I this know. isn't some like canned, ready to go. This is li- this is alive. This is a living thing. I know Nathan's can't, switching can't, it can't up, but me. I think he's lost his mind. I mean, I'm I am in I am in the pod cave shirtless, just kind of yeah. like staring off into the middle distance. Uh, yeah, I went uh, great. It'll you know. be like I'm there. Let's video each other. That was our new routine, and then I turned it on, and there was. There was Nathan shirtless, and I was like, "Oh, I mean, this is one of those are, calls." You are lucky that it's from. The, you're lucky it's thing. It's top up, okay? Like I, I, <laughs> this is my space, and I will, I will do with it what I will. I mean, it does, um, it does make me feel uh, at home, like we're in the pod cave again. You know, I'm just imagining like this is the good old, good old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah where I was just nips out, ready That's to go. Right. You know, just, just just cracking it yeah. cracking this is how i do the- this is how i absorb the theory via osmosis quicker yeah we, i need more contact area with the skin we talked about um, uh, two ears and one mouth last time it's a uh, two nips and one microphone that's how we roll. oh god damn it god damn it okay so uh up top let's let's get something out of the way uh we are uh planning and i'm saying this on a live recorded thing so that we're actually forced to stick to it um <laughs> we're going to be uh in the near future releasing two episodes a week uh, yes. We will be releasing on Wednesdays and Fridays, um, giving us Monday for random one-off things if we still decide to use it, yes. but it'll probably get used less frequently considering we're releasing two of these a week. Um, that doesn't, uh, uh, functionally, that will not change anything for you except that there'll be two of these in your feed. They're not going to paywall. We're not going to do anything. None of that nonsense. We just did the math and it would take us roughly two years to finish this book at the mm-hmm. pace we were going. And our options were one, try and speed up the pace, but let's be real, we've been doing this long enough to know that that's not an option. Uh, and two was just record and release more of the damn things. So we went with option B. Um, so I think that if, if, if time is on our side starting next week, mm-hmm. you should be getting two of these a week, depending on how the recording goes and if we can, you know, get enough time in here to get yeah, these recorded. Yeah. I mean, we're committing to this two a week because we want to, we want to keep this to like a one year thing instead of a two year thing this book give this book the attention and and time and dedication it needs without um taking too long to get to any other work but uh but we don't know exactly what week we're starting with that we're guesstimating we're going to give this a couple yeah yeah yeah. so we're committing to doing it it. we're just not committing to win but we're pushing ourselves to commit to win Yep, and we're that's the so that's it. So again, th- th- this is recorded now, so that if in, in in three or four weeks and it's not getting to two weeks yet, you you all can start yelling at yeah, us. Yeah, you're and, like, hey, lazy asses, get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is I'm speaking it into existence. I'm mm-hmm. just secreting our two episodes a week now. Um, but that being said, we are going to uh, di- dive right in uh, and skin, start skin, with uh, skin, Paige. What the hell? There, sorry, I'm three eleven. No, none of that. None of that. None of that. None of that. Uh, page 70, uh, second paragraph right, no, of that was Black Reconstruction. What the hell is wrong with me? I should be banned from St. Louis. Boo. Boo. Yeah, the urge. the Saint, That St. Louis cultural touchstone that we have. Man. I, nonetheless, nothing, I called no- the urge 311, and, and I grew up listening to the point I should be kicked in the face. <laughs> <laughs> These are facts. There were new and strange problems of social contact. Damn it, the voice. Really? <laughs> really, Doyce? You're gonna do. You're gonna do me this, like that this early. This is an entirely different type of prescience than we're used to in this book. I'm. I'm losing my. I'm sitting here half naked, just staring off in the middle distance, trying to cope with my reality. And you start out with a social distancing <laughs> reference, Du Bois. You time traveling demon. The white soldiers, for the most part, were opposed to serving Negroes in any manner. Well, yeah, I mean that tracks. And were even unwilling to guard the camps where the 
where they were segregated or protect them against violence. To undertake any form of work for the contrabands, guy don't love that no, phrasing, no. at the time was to be forsaken by one's friends and to pass under a cloud. All right, so they go, you get, you get turned into an Eeyore if you somehow, uh, I don't know, help uh, another human being. That's cool. That's neat. Uh, there was, however, a clear economic basis upon which the whole work of relief and order and substance could be placed. All around Grand Junction were large crops of ungathered corn and cotton. Oh, dear God. No. Please, God, no. Don't do this to me, right? Don't make me read this right now that they walked into a place with a bunch of ungathered cotton and then looked to the left cotton, looked to the right. Oh, there's all these black people. Hmm. I have a plan, says old ye tiny racist. God damn it, don't do this. <sighs> These were harvested and sold north, and the receipts were placed to the credit of the government. That's that's pleasant. I'm glad glad that I'm sure that labor was compensated right. The army of fugitives were soon willing to go to work. Men, women, and children. Wood was needed by the river steamers, and woodcutters were set to work. Eaton fixed the wages for this industry and kept accounts with the workers. He saw to it that all of them had sufficient food and clothing and rough shelter was built for them. Citizens roundabout who had not abandoned their plantations were allowed to hire labor on the same terms as the government was using it. This will they go good to build long them. term. This, yeah, no possible we way lost, this ends badly. We lost our slaves, uh, but we're allowed to hire them and pay them pennies on the dollar for the exact same work. Yeah, yeah, no, this will go well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very soon, the freedmen became self-sustaining and gave little trouble. They began to build themselves comfortable cabins, and the government constructed hospitals for the sick. In the case of the sick and dependent, a tax was laid on the wages of the workers. At first, it was thought that the laborers would object. But on the contrary, they were perfectly willing, and the imposition of the tax compelled the government to see that wages were promptly paid. Huh. 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 Wait a minute. You're telling me that if you can show people where your taxes are going and and that they're going toward the public good, that people don't have a problem paying taxes? I was going to say, you're telling me that workers can be uh, communally sufficient and pay into the common good and be happy about it as long as it's like not going off to corporate bailouts and wars that's that's i i do this I is do strange not this is strange it's i'm, I'm shocked that when they were freed they did not all uh that everyone didn't just you know subscribe to the predominant belief of of radical individualism mm-hmm. and, and this self-sufficiency bootstrap mentality didn't just immediately pop up that's weird almost like that would have to be pounded pounded into a person for them to believe that sort of nonsense <laughs> uh the freedmen freely acknowledged that they ought to assist in helping bear the burden of the poor and were flattered by having the government ask their help. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> people, they, these were people that were held as slaves. Mm-hmm. And and as soon as they get freed, completely recognized that they're, oh, no, absolutely. I should be help. I should be doing my fair part. I should be I should be contributing to help everybody like that level of that base level of human empathy and selflessness is it is depressing that that is shocking right now that i am just bl- uh, flabbergasted that anyone al- anyone could have that level of self-rely or, or you know just ability to give and acknowledge that that's just your kind of your duty in society is to help other people yeah oh my god i i hate i hate it, this world i hate speaking, it so goddamn speaking much. of did you see the the uh pointing out um on Twitter by the two different articles about the way people reacted with the uh covid breakout in, in brooklyn <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. One one and for those those uh uh who are not terminally online, because yes, please get out there and, and live be. your life and, and be a community Hopefully of the you're all better people than us. Uh, but one one was an article about uh where New Yorkers moved to escape the coronavirus and it's a bunch of like 
high end people. The New York Times reported on this, like that the the rich neighborhoods in Brooklyn who like bailed out to L.A. and to just off in the country into Chicago and and everywhere Florida. to get the hell out. A lot of Florida. And then there was another report um, about how you know in black and Hispanic neighborhoods, not only did people not go out, or maybe this was even the same article, uh, but there was uh, a sighting of a a stand-up comedian, Mr. Suarez who was in Texas and was 42 years old and he lived in the Bronx and he ran the hell home because he knew he had people to take care of. And it was like, Hmm, there are two different types of people in the world. Uh, one of them was rich and runs the fuck away from problems because that's what they're used to. And the other one is poor and goes, shit, people need help. Yeah, that's uh, so that's one article that mm-hmm. came out in the last uh, 48 hours, give or take. That's not the most annoying one to me. Did you see the, uh, Lady in the Independent. Uh, that uh, no. Oh, oh, oh! Guys. Wait, was this Gang. was this where's my house cleaners? I can't make my kids do chores. One or is this a different? One? No. Okay. Oh no, this was if if possible, this was worse. This was worse. Okay, so hold on, David. You uh, you take over the reading for a second while I uh, do okay. some work in the background. Okay. Um. Let's see. Where the hell did I lost it? Okay. Why? See, see this is why Acknowledge we this is why, this is why we help and bear the burden of the poor. They were flattered by the government. It was the reaction. It, it was, was the, the reaction, reaction of a new labor. labor group who, for the first time in their lives, were receiving money in payment for their work. Five thousand dollars was raised by this tax for hospitals, and with this money, tools and property were bought. By wholesale purchase, clothes, household goods, and other articles were secured by freedmen at a cost of one-third of what they might have paid the stores. There was a rigid system of accounts and monthly reports through Army officials. In 1864, July 5, Eden reports, these freedmen are now disposed of as or, yeah, disposed of as follows. In military service of soldiers, laundresses, cooks, officers, servants, and laborers in the various staff departments 41,150 in cities on plantations and in freedmen villages cared for 72,500 of these 62,300 are entirely self-supporting the same as any industrial class anywhere else as planters mechanics barbers hackmen draymen etc conducting enterprises on their own responsibility or working as hired laborers the remaining 10,200 receive subsidence from the government 3,000 of them are members of families whose heads are carrying on plantations and have under cultivation or have under cultivation 4,000 acres of cotton. They are to pay the government for their sustenance from the first income of the crop. The other 7,200 include paupers, that is to say all Negroes over and under self-supporting age, the crippled and the sick in hospitals, and 113,650 of those engaged in their care. Instead of being unproductive, this class is now under cultivation 500 acres of corn, 790 acres of vegetables, 1,500 acres of cotton. Besides working at wood chopping and other industries, there are reported aggregate over 100,000 acres of cotton under cultivation. Of these, 7,000 acres are leased and cultivated by blacks, some Negroes are managing as high as 300 or 400 acres. So as you get from this cited quote uh, from a July 5th, 1864 uh, report from this Eaton uh, is that, you know, this is a productive class of people. So this this is kind of getting under the, you know, lazy leech off the government. These are the people going, no, we're communal. We want to support. We want to take, let's see, 10,000 out of the 72,000. So we want to take a good 
you know, 15% of our people and just support them. They need the support, you know, to each, to each their needs. And the other 62,000 of us, we're going to make sure we're productive as a class. We're going to go wood chop and, and pick up the plantations. And as a whole, we're all going to be in this together and we're all going to be productive. It's the exact opposite of what this John Stossel ass world is telling you. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it really is night and day, and all you have to do is say. And yeah. again, it shouldn't be shocking that a group of people who were created, who were the ex- entire backbone mm-hmm. of all industry in yeah. the South. I mean, th- there you don't. That's not just going to go away. There isn't this innate thing that that someone's inherently lazy, and you need a guy yeah. with a whip standing over you to make you want to work. Like that whole concept has never, ever, 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 ever worked. No, no. But I mean, it's it's something you kind of see too. With uh, I mean, with just anybody, you could take any example out of anybody, and depending on their background, if there's someone who has, you know done work for a living it depends on what situation they're if they're still exhausted if they're coming home if they're stressed out if if they're completely alienated you know they're not going to want to work but if they're working and they see anything out of it and they've done any work in their life their immediate concern is getting the work done and what do people need and if there's someone yeah. who has sat and leeched on other people their immediate concern is how hard working or lazy is everybody else because all they care about is other people's work and squeezing the most out of it and writing on it Anyone who cares about how lazy or not lazy someone else is instead of how much they need to do their own work or, you know, especially take care of the needs of people in need is someone who's used to leeching on people or someone who is worried about their own work and taking care of people in need is someone who, you know, understands need and sees that firsthand. And in between are people who are just worried about being alienated from their labor and their focus is going to be primarily on what people need. Because they don't, you know, there's nothing fulfilling about the work they care about, but they still see the need. Exactly. Uh, The experiment at Davis Bend, Mississippi, was of a special interest. The place was occupied in November and December 1864, and private interests were displaced, and an interesting socialistic effort made with all the property under the control of the government. The bend was divided into districts with Negro sheriffs and judges who were allowed to exercise authority under the general control of the military officers. Petty theft and idleness were soon reduced to a minimum. The community distinctly demonstrated the capacity of the Negro to take care of himself and exercise under honest and competent direction the functions of self-government. Let's read that entire paragraph again. Please do. The experiment at Davis Bend, Mississippi was of a special interest. The place was occupied in November and December 1864 and private interests were displaced in an interesting socialistic effort made with all of the property under control of the government. The bend was divided into districts with Negro sheriffs and judges who were officers. Petty theft and idleness were soon reduced to a minimum, and the community distinctly demonstrated the capacity of the Negro to take care of himself and exercise under honest and competent direction the functions of self-government. I just... Boom. Yeah. <laughs> no, big bold letters. It, put exactly it on it. a sign. Yeah, yeah. Throw it up there and go and go. Bada bing! Like it, yeah. it is. It's that's it's in your face. And that's what's so about, good about this yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love this book. It's so good. Uh, when General Butler returned from Louisiana and resumed command in Virginia and North Carolina, he established there a Department of Negro Affairs, and the territory divided into districts under superintendents and assistants. Negroes were encouraged to buy land, build cabins, and form settlements, and a system of education was established. In North Carolina, under Chaplain Horace James, the poor, both black and white, were helped. The refugees were grouped in small villages and their work systemized, and enlisted men taught in the schools, followed by women teachers in the north. Outside of New Bern, North Carolina, 
about 2,000 freedmen were settled and 800 houses erected. The department at Port Royal continued the Negroes showed their capacity to organize labor and even to save and employ a little capital. The government built 21 houses for the people in Edisto Island, and carpenters were Negroes under a Negro foreman. There was another village of improved houses near Hilton Head. Next is the development of manhood. This has been shown in the first place and the prevalent disposition to acquire land. It did not appear upon our first introduction to these people, and they did not seem to understand us when used to tell them that we wanted them to own land. But it is now an active desire at a recent tax sales. Six out of 47 plantations were sold and bought by them. Compromising 2,595 acres sold for $2,145. In other cases, the Negroes had authorized the superintendent to bid for them, but the land was reserved by the United States. One of the purchases that was made by Harry noted above, the other five were made by the Negroes on the plantations, combining the funds they had saved from the sale of their pigs, chickens, and eggs, and from the payments made to them for work. They, they then, dividing off the tract of peaceably among themselves, one of these were kit. Before mentioned is the leading spirit. There are 23 field hands. They have planted in cultivating 63 acres of cotton, 50 of corn, 6 of potatoes, uh, with as many more as planted, 4.5 cowpeas. Cowpeas? What, cow- what are Yeah, no, okay, I was just reading that. I was like, what, what, what are cowpeas? I don't know. Three of peanuts and one and a half of rice. These facts are most significant. So now you have a big-ass quote. Um Basically saying that there was a, a communal village set up where they like, you know, some yeah. small chunks of the land they would buy just to support each other and cultivate as a whole and, and make their own villages under General Saxton. And oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Under General Saxton in South Carolina, the Negroes began to buy land, which was sold for non-payment of taxes. Saxon was established. Saxon. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Saxon established regulations for the cultivation of several abandoned sea islands and appointed local superintendents by the payment of moderate wages and just and fair dealing with them. I produced for the government a half a million dollars. And this is a quote by by uh, uh, Saxon by General Saxon, by General Saxon, uh, fair and dealing with them. I produced the government over half a million dollars worth of cotton. Besides a large amount of food and beyond the needs of the laborers, these islands were cultivated in this way for two years, 1862 and 1863, under my supervision. And during that time, I had about 15,000 colored freemen of all ages in my charge. About 9,000 of these were engaged in productive labor, which relieved the government of the support of all except the newly arrived refugees from the enemy's lines and the old and infirm who had no relations to depend upon. The increase of industry and the thrift upon freedmen was illu- illustrated by their conduct in South Carolina before the organization of Freedmen's Bureau and by the decreasing government expenditure for their support. The expense in the Department of the South in 1863 was $41,544, but the monthly expense that year was steadily reduced until December. It was less than $1,000. That's See, that's insane. It, it literally just showed it. Yeah. It is showing all the stereotypes and all the all the propaganda and and just straight up race science bullshit is just the second this group was given a chance to be self-sustaining, independent and able to to work for themselves, it went amazing. Yeah, they, it, they you, did it, it they policed perfect. it and not only that, but you I mean you notice a lot of this talk too is not just them doing it for each other that's included that's baked in. But a lot of this is they're doing this for the government in support of the war. So they were yes. produced for everybody working hard the much larger percentage of the population that was buoyed up uh, by their programs than we, we have today. I mean, look how many people are kicked off of food stamps and things like that and how small of a percentage can use uh, the government assistance that they need. And yet these yeah. these uh, freedmen, you know, buoyed that and they poured into the war effort. 
and all of it, well, they were just the happy thing, to is do. They just organized themselves and did it. It's hilarious because it's the exact invert. It's that, and again, it's what makes this chapter so well mm-hmm. done. That it's the exact. It, it's what the South thought would happen when they went to war. That they would just have their their entire slave army behind them, keeping everything going, so they could just focus on the war effort. Yeah, the exact opposite happened. It just happened in the North. <laughs> the the that that they had that that army of of surplus labor that was able to be put to work so that the soldiers could go, but it was from the defection to the north, not yeah. in the south, because yeah. they they ran they they deserted. Yeah, they they saw their opportunity and and were strategic in taking it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is about the this is about the halfway point of the chapter, and uh, or the halfway point of this episode at the very least. And uh, I feel I feel like in the spirit of our new two 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 episodes a week, I have I have the the, the latitude to to read the most upsetting thing I've read this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so so let me make sure I can see David's face because this is important. I want to see how disappointed he is in me as I'm doing this. Um, ooh ooh, good level of disappointment so far, gang. Don't worry about it. Um. So we're t- again in talking about how do people respond during crises and and what is what is the attitude and and how do you come together for the common good? I bring you this. My mind is not ready, from, but my body is. Let's do this. No, Andrea Askowitz from Florida okay. wrote this nice piece. Uh, this this nice opinion piece for the Independent. Okay. Uh, my family are the rule-breaking, lockdown-flounding, entitled Americans you've heard about during the coronavirus pandemic. Okay. We disregarded the rules. Well, dot, 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 because we wanted to. Okay. In August 2019, my kids and I moved to Madrid. Our plan was to spend a year in Spain, learn Spanish, see the world, learn to live like less spoiled Americans. Well, this (laughs) is starting out well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my wife Vicky went back and fo- my wife Vicky went back and forth for work a week in Madrid, four weeks to Miami. I'm sure this family is really struggling with that yeah. sort of an arrangement. Yeah, I mean definitely. Her- yeah, her last commute to Miami was March 3rd, and then the world got sick. Schools closed, Spain went on lockdown. One of the strictest in the world. We could only leave our home for essentials, food or medication. No kids allowed outside. No exercise. Vicky got shot out. We got shot in. Spaniards followed the rules, so I did too. I went one out once a week for groceries. Very few people were on the street. Three other people were in the supermarket, which was stocked with plenty of milk and toilet paper. A few weeks after lockdown began on a food run, I spotted an American man I knew from my Spanish class. He carried a canvas grocery bag over his shoulder, but showed me it was empty. He told me he went out twice a day. Sometimes I just walk. He said, I just want to. I stood back six feet. I wanted to ask, what makes you think you're so special? But I knew this man typified American entitlement. I was angry. I was also jealous. Spoiler alert for this story. It's going to make you empathize with a cop more than this woman. And oh, that, no. takes, that takes some doing, guys. Oh, no. My kids and I stayed inside our 1,000-square-foot apartment for 46 days. Oh, the horror. When the Spanish government announced schools would not reopen, we got on one of the few flights out, first to London, then Miami. We hadn't seen Vicky in eight weeks. Okay. Vicky picked us up from the airport, and the four of us put on masks and drove to my mom's beach house in Key Largo, Florida, <laughs> an hour <laughs> south of our house in Miami. <laughs> We knew Key Largo. We knew Key Largo wasn't letting tourists in. We weren't tourists exactly. We had a note from my mom plus two utility bills and passed through the checkpoint. The kids and I would quarantine for fourteen days to stay safe. Vicky drove back to Miami. Already, just no because yeah. then what's Vicky's not quarantining? So what's the point of all you? Sure. you dumb, you dumb, dumb. Yeah. Four days later, Vicky headed from Miami to Key Largo because the kids and I had coronavirus tests scheduled and we only had one car. Maybe we could have taken an Uber to get the test. The truth was, we just wanted to be together. Then Vicky called crying. Guys, the twist. Here he comes. Uh, She had been stopped at the checkpoint. I had only heard her cry like that one other time when her mom died. She said the police are not letting me through. Guys, 
the one time they did their job. The one time. Uh, an hour later, Vicky was still crying. I told them I left the kids in the house alone. They're Uh-oh. escorting me home. You have to hide. All right. So now we're about to have the, the, the Jewish lady hiding from the police coming. Uh, I'm not going to put, she does not put that symbolism in there, but I'll do it for us. Yeah. Uh, my son, Sebastian, who's 11, ran around the house looking for a place to hide. Bathroom, utility closet. Sebastian kept a lookout out the window. He yelled, I see the police car, and I slid under the bed. It was tight. The slats were an inch from my face. One was splitting. One heavy man, and I'd be crushed. Oh, I pray for that heavy man every night now when I go to sleep. Under the bed might not have been the smartest idea, but I could see into the hallway. I could see the cop if they came into the room. Would they see me? I was surprisingly calm. Maybe because I'd biked an hour and a half that morning. The first real exercise I'd gotten in 48 days. I I don't even want, I don't know why that's relevant. I was impressed Vicky could think that quickly. I got nervous thinking about how easily she was able to lie. Now you're making this about you. Now you're like, oh my God, my spouse can lie. This is, I, I'll have to think about this. And meanwhile, you're lying the whole time. So like what, what yeah. the disconnect is interesting. I, it got hot under the bed, claustrophobic. I couldn't move my neck. I heard the front door open. The kids ran out. I hope they do what I told them. Do not let anyone in the house, not even a cop. Do not tell them I'm here. Just say hi to Mammy Vicky. I heard voices. I heard footsteps. Minutes later, Vicky and the kids came upstairs. The cop was gone. The coast was clear. It took Vicky hours to relax. Really? She told me the story. She told my mom, her brother, her sister. She had her story down. She said, they held me for an hour. It was police brutality. Oh, my God. It was police brutality that the poor lady was forced to follow the goddamn rules meant to keep people alive. You Mm. just entitled Fuck nugget. The cop at the checkpoint looked at my paperwork and told me to make a U-turn. I said I came through four days ago with my kids. He said, you should not have been a lot through. Turn around. I pulled over. I wasn't going to leave. I said I needed to speak to a deputy. I said I left my kids alone. The deputy told me to shut up. Thank you. Thank you, officer. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Just you. Nobody else. That's when I started crying. I said I went out to run errands. I tried to show them the. I tried to show them the plastic drawers I just bought at Walmart. That's what you got. That's what you, mm. I needed. This emergency run for organizational tools. I'm Marie Kondoing. I really need help here. This is the crisis. He said, "Listen, lady, I've been here 13 hours listening to bullshit stories just like yours." He's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the onion article the worst person you know makes a good point yes, yes. you're an asshole she's a bigger asshole in this instance <laughs> vicky told me it, this is when she got hysterical this is the line this is the line she was impersonating a single mom separated from her children she believed her story so completely she felt justified oh god she lied believed her bullshit so much that she thought she was in the right this is every Karen that's caught on video just going out of their mind. This is the mindset they inhabit when they do that. <sighs> she didn't leave, and they finally relented. A cop escorted her to make sure her story was true. The deputy was a bully. Mm. He was the guy that got a taste of power and then imagined himself king of the world. 
what are you in this instance then, woman? <laughs> you have no power and you think you're better than everyone I'm else gonna, and don't need to follow the rules. I was going to say, I mean, that's that's like 99% of cops, if if yes. not 100. But I'm just imagining that like Spider-Man pointing at itself, himself. Yes, yes exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's, it's like, come on. How do you not? <sighs> what would have happened if Vicky told the truth? Listen, guys, my wife was our kids. They were holed up in a tiny apartment in Madrid where they couldn't go outside. Even our 11-year-old got depressed. Oh, no. Now they have space to skateboard and a view of the ocean. They're not in Miami because our house was full of mold. I got it remediated, but we're still afraid. When we were home in December, our son had an asthma attack, and we had to take him to the children's hospital. This is no time to take a chance with our boys' lungs. I'm bringing them the car so they can get their coronavirus tests, which they're entitled to because they were in a high-risk country and left. And really, I just which don't want to be separated from my family. they're entitled to. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. The truth is, we're the exact people the cops wanted to keep out. We had been in one of the most infected cities and one of the most infected countries in the world. Yes, you were the exact person that you had to keep out of a group of people. Yes. We rode two airplanes, walked through three airports. Two of us were children currently considered vectors. But we disregarded the rules well, dot, 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 because we wanted to. We've been together a week now. Our test came back negative. Uh, an official told me that of the 89 cases in the population of 75,000, she told me the checkpoints are overwhelmed with people trying to sneak in with faked IDs and fantastic stories. I didn't tell her that was us. Again, <sighs> uh, Andrea Askowitz, uh, she's uh, she's on Twitter. She's currently getting uh, a fairly uh, shit on all over the place yeah. for it. If you want to, if you want to go pile onto yep. that, feel free. That'd be fun. Um, but yeah, that's the mindset. Uh, we're, we're fucked. This is going, we're, people are going to die yeah. in mass amounts because of ignorant assholes like this. Yeah. And they're kind even, of proud of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but even that is, is individual blame. These are, these are the product of the very system that politicians are driving. They spend all day on Fox goddamn news, driving in the fact that, that, you know, this is in your way. This is your American right. This is your freedom getting tramped on. This is what happens when you spend, you know, 200 years telling people they're the freest free people in the world and that their gusto wins them that freedom and then never defining that fucking freedom because all it means is exploiting people. People who are not completely trampled on by the system. People who see some yeah. semblance of humanity in spite of being in this meat grinder of a system, all of a sudden think they're fucking God and they, they deserve everything. And I mean, that's what the system produces. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't absolve these people from me, the giant pieces of shit they are. Um, and they definitely are to blame, but just like everything else, they are a product of the system. The system is the goddamn lame. Just look how Trump is an enormous piece of shit. Uh, but so is every other president. And it's not because they're exceptionally bad people. Oh, yeah. It's because of what the fucking genocidal settled colony is. So, yeah, um, I'm just worried yeah. about I'm worried about if there's the, if this person is willing to write an article, mm. <laughs> basically going <laughs> how right they eh, are. Fuck it. I'm good. Uh, you know, we were whatever. I mean, it is. Fuck it. Th- I feel like that says more that there's probably like how many people are doing it that aren't writing articles for the independent. That's a little worrisome. And and there's definitely the twist of like we were we were fine and some small percentage of people have it and it's it's the common thing where it's like, you know, I survived playing Russian roulette so every child should get to play it too. Like yeah. that's Well no, it's just it's it's this level of like, well, all right, well it worked out, so all's well that ends well. Yeah. You know, ha, ha, yeah. We, we got what we wanted. Yeah. 
Ah. It was rough for us. It can't be rough for anyone else. It just must have been rough for us. So we deserve to do what we had to do to get out of it. And we have no excuse for it because we're <laughs> and all of the consequences are, are inconvenience and not wanting to be busted. None of the consequences are like, you know, living in a food desert and not having access to food no. um, or, you know, not not getting the bailout that other people are getting while getting laid off from your job um or you know i mean being homeless and not being able to wash your hands or being shoved in in a, a disease vector prison where conditions are you're already treated like garbage or suffering from the the disease or losing a relative these none of these things are their consequences it's just ugh, we we wanted to do stuff and it was kind of uh, hard my 11 year old was feeling really pretty blue <laughs> about not being able to skateboard yeah do his sick tony hawk twists yeah just got <laughs> all right back all right. to the back to the person we're here for yeah. into this fairly successful land and labor control was precipitated a vast and unexpected flood of refugees from previously untouched strongholds of slavery sherman made his march to the sea from atlanta cutting the cotton kingdom in two as grant had invaded it along the mississippi the first imitation intimation given to me that many of the freedmen would be bought brought higher from savannah came in from a request from the general that i would call at once to plan the reception of 700 who would be at the wharf in an hour this was christmas day and at 4 p.m we had 700 mainly women old men and children before us a canvas since made shows that half of them had traveled from macon atlanta and even chattanooga they were all utterly destitute of blankets stockings or shoes and among the 700 there were not 50 articles in the shape of pots or kettles or other utensils for cooking no axes very few coverings for many heads and children wrapped in the only article not worn in some form by the parents frantic appeals went out for the mass of the negro refugees who followed him a few days after sherman entered savannah secretary of war stanton <laughs> uh, a, a fun guy if you if you've got weird history whatever uh edward stanton is uh is just a fucking idiot like the guy that they had to make a rule that you couldn't fire because he'd been around for so long and then andrew johnson breaks that rule and fires him and that's what gets him impeached like after all the other chicanery he went into yeah fuck edward stanton just fuck him <laughs> all but I, every time i see his name i just kind of chuckle because he's just one of those weird weird guys of history. Um, he examined the condition of the liberated Negroes found in the city. He assembled 20 of those who were deemed their leaders. That's weird. Uh, among them were barbers, pilots, and sailors. I'm not, okay. All right. All right. I'm not, I don't know how to do, uh, that's a weird group to, all right. All right. Take me to your leaders. All right. Well, we've got the pilot. Yeah. We have the sailor. And then we've got the barber. This is and that is the backbone of our community. This right is now. definitely a cartoon about aliens landing in a small community, and these are the main characters. Exactly. Like that doesn't <laughs> one. What do they mean, pilots? Are they talking about like ship? They have to be talking about like boat captains, yeah. right? And like every, that has to every be. one of these jobs is a Chekhov's gun for some plot point later. That's what it has to be. Like, what? okay. And Edward Stanton needed his hair. They, all right. They needed someone to take Edward Stanton down the Mississippi and his hair had gotten a little long. Yeah. All right. We've got this. We've got the A team. We're going to do this. Um, and others who had been overseers on cotton and rice plantations. Ugh. Mr. Stanton and General Sherman gave them a hearing. Interesting. As a result of this investigation into the perplexing problems as to what to do with the growing mass of unemployed Negroes and their families, General Sherman issued his epoch making. That's all right. That's that, that's pretty bold. Sea Island Circular. 
on July, January 18th, 1865. In this paper, the islands from Charleston south, the abandoned rice fields along the rivers for 30 miles back from the sea, and the country bordering the St. John's River, Florida, were reserved for the settlement of the Negroes made free by the acts of war and the proclamation of the president. Okay. General Rufus Saxton... We got a, is that the second General Saxton we've gotten involved with it, it, recently? It might be, but I appreciate him having a dog's name. I do, I do enjoy General Rufus Saxton. Was uh, appointed Inspector of Settlements and Plantations, and was required to make proper allotments and give possessory titles and defend them until Congress should confirm his actions. It was a bold move, I would say so. <laughs> kind of unilaterally declaring this to be like a, I, I don't know. It's almost like a, I don't know if the term is. It almost feels like a reservation system for yeah. freedmen at this point, sort of, in some sort of weird way. It's, it's a bit weird. Um, it, it is a bit weird. Thousands of Negro families were distributed under this circular, and the freed people regarded themselves for more than six months as in permanent possession of these abandoned lands. I can imagine. <laughs> um, that's, that, that is strange, though, because obviously the land's abandoned at this time, but there must, I, I, I can see some ownership conflict coming in here, and I'm just, yeah. I, I am genuinely curious as to what the fuck happens here. Um, taxes on the freedmen furnished most of the funds to fu- run these first experiments. Okay. So again, this is another situation, this is an important point here. The, it's not like this was given to them, like just carte blanche. Like it, it sounds like the taxes they paid paid for the expenses of giving them this land and, and setting them up in this position to, to work this land. On all plantations, whether owned or leased, where freedmen were employed, a tax of 1% per pound on cotton and a proportional amount on all other products was to be collected as a contribution in support of the helpless among the freed people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Basic social safety still, nets. Still I'm, I'm here this, for yeah. it. A similar tax varying with the value of property was levied up by the government upon all leased plantations in lieu of rent. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, you're paying tax. I, holy shit. Did we just solve landlords? I, did we I'm just not solve- going to credit on General Sherman with solving landlords. Hold on though. You say that, but I might. <laughs> if you just pay taxes instead of paying rent and that money goes into like the public fund and then you use that I, public fund to pay for like your maintenance and your repairs and stuff like that, instead of paying landlord, having the middleman to do all that. And then you own the place. You're just paying your taxes on it instead of rent. I think we may have solved landlords. I, I understand, but these are the kind of things that happen in wartime. Wartime and crisis always show that the system was fucked up and perfectly manageable the whole goddamn time. And this is General Sherman. Hold on. Hold on. So are you saying a continual revolution, a state of like a forever war, uh, maybe the solution to enacting the sort of uh, a permanent revolution, a permanent war, something of that nature, maybe the solution to getting these sorts of concessions we need for the public good. I'm day. going to smack guys, you. Guys, hard twist. Nathan's a trot now. <laughs> you I'm didn't see that coming, did you? going to smack you all the way upside the head. <laughs> you can't. Social distancing, motherfucker. I'm, you know what? I will break social distancing with a mask on for one slap. And for the rest of eternity, everyone will know the size of my hand by looking at your face. <laughs> oh, but it's so good. It's so good. Um, okay, so there we that's that is good. So Saxon testified. General Sherman's special field order number 15 ordered their colonization on 40 acre tracks. Wait, how many acre? Hold on. Is this the 40 acres in a mule? Uh, I don't know. Is this? All right. 
Uh, General Sherman special order, field order number 15, ordered their colonization on 40-acre tracks, and in accordance with it, it estimated some 40,000 were provided with homes. Public meetings were held, and every exertion used by those whose duty it was to execute this order to encourage emigration to the Sea Islands. And the faith of the government was solemnly pledged to maintain them in possession. The greatest success attended this experiment, and although the planting season was very far advanced before the transportation to carry the colonists to Sea Island could be obtained, and the people were destitute of animals, okay, so no mules, and had but few (laughs) agricultural implements, the greatest difficulty in procuring seeds, yet they went out, worked with energy and diligence to clear up the ground, run to waste by three years of neglect, and thousands of acres were planted and provisions were raised for those who were located in season to plant, besides a large amount of Sea Island cotton for the market. The seizure of some 549,000 acres of abandoned land in accordance with the Act of Congress and orders from the head of the Bureau for the Freedmen and Refugees still further strengthened these ignorant people in the conviction that they were to have the lands of their late masters. And with the other reasons before stacked, caused a great unwillingness on the part of the freedmen to make any contracts whatever. But this refusal arises from no desire on their part to avoid labor, but from the causes above stated." All you. Holy cow. Uh, To test the question of their forethought and prove that some of the race at least thought of the future, I established in October 1864 a savings bank for the free men in Beaufort District and vicinity. More than 240,000 had been deposited in this bank by Freemen since its establishment. I consider that the industrial problem, which had been satisfactorily solved at Port Royal, and that, in common with the other races, the Negro has industry, pudence, forethought, and ability to calculate the results. Many of them have named plantations for themselves and show industry and sagacity. Sagacity? I don't know that word. Uh, that will compare. What's that? I got nothing. Okay. I'll compare favorably in the results and making due allowances with those of white men. Eventually, General Saxton settled nearly 30,000 Negroes on the Sea Islands and adjacent plantations with 17,000 were self-supporting of the year, while 12,000 to 13,000 were still receiving rations. It was distinctly understood that they and their farms would be held responsible for the payment of the government had found in such debt safe and short one. Negroes worked fewer hours and had more time for self-expression. Exports were less than during slavery, and at the time, Negroes were machine. I'm sorry. Yeah, Negroes were mere machines run with as little loss as possible in the single end of making money for their masters. Now, as it was in the West Indies, uh, emancipation had enlarged the Negro's purchasing power, but instead of producing solely for export, he was producing to consume. His standard of living was rising. Along with this work for, of the Army, the Treasury Department of the United States government was bestirring itself the secretary of treasury salmon p chase early in 1860 i'm going to imagine i'm going to imagine that that's the that's one of the chase bank chases I it has feel to be. like it's secretary gotta be. secretary the of treasury, treasury named 1862. chase yeah that's a, that's one of the that's one of them yeah. we've been doing this for a long time <laughs> had his attention called to the accumulation of cotton on the abandoned sea islands and plantations and was sure there was an opportunity to raise more he therefore began the organization of freedmen for cotton raising and a success for william pitt Thessenden, that's a weird name, <laughs> inaugurated yeah. more extensive plans for the freedmen in all parts of the South, appointing agents and organizing freedmen's home colonies. On July 7th, 1862, Congress held positions of the states in rebellion responsible for a direct tax upon the lands of the nation. And in addition, Congress passed an act authorizing the Secretary of the Treasury to appoint special agents to take charge of captured and abandoned property. 
Military officers turned over to the Treasury Department such property and plantations around Port Royal and Beaufort were disposed of at tax sales. Some were purchased by Negroes, but the greater number went to Northerners. In the same way, in North Carolina, some turpentine farms where you farm turpentine? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't. All right. All right. Were let to Negroes who managed them. Or to whites who employed Negroes. In 1863, September 11th, never forget, the whole southern region was divided by the Treasury <laughs> Department into five special agencies, each with supervising agent for the supervision of abandoned property and labor. Early in 1863, General Lorenzo Thomas, the adjunct general of the army, was organizing colored troops along the Mississippi River. After consulting various treasury agents and departments, commanders, including General Grant, and having also the approval of Mr. Lincoln, he issued from Milliken's Bend, Louisiana, April 15th, a lengthy series of instruction covering the territory bordering Mississippi and including all its inhabitants. See, I don't like Lorenzo because he made the mistake of actually involving Lincoln. Every <laughs> every good move we've seen up to this point has been, shh, don't tell Linko and then go do it. Yeah. Um, uh, also, so this I one, this one, I don't think will work. I want to clear something up. Um, old dog name Rufus uh, Saxon uh, was <laughs> was of the North, um, which which uh, makes the inclusion of General Sherman in the last page a little more confusing, but makes the storyline much less confusing. So the Sea Islands being farmed, that was more of the freedmen. And, and that makes sense, too, because it was talking about paying into the U.S. government and now the, the Department of Treasury of the United States. Um, so th- this was more of the free men uh, getting land or claiming land and, you know, paying in their taxes to the war costs. So these provisions they were doing was not for the South, which is what was confusing me. It was for the North. So I guess it was saying because of General Sherman splitting the South, it allowed this to happen. But it wasn't General Sherman who created this situation. All right. I mean, that that makes can, a lot can, more sense, but I can I can buy that. Now, here is something I do need to to clear up. And I, I, I'm not sure if we're, we're clear here. You do know that William Sherman was part of the North. Ah, right? He was a okay. union general. OK. OK. See there. This is all right. That that's what was confusing. I thought me. he was <laughs> you. Okay. No, Sherman's Marsh. No, Tecumseh Sherman was absolutely a union general. He was Him the guy that burned like Atlanta. Yeah, which was the South. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> rewind back, rewind back. A, we are really bad at geography, but look at them. Dude, we live in Missouri. Atlanta is down. <laughs> yes, he did burn Atlanta. That was the enemy territory. Okay, okay. They had slaves. He didn't like, to, he didn't take kindly to that. Okay. He was an asshole. Don't get me wrong, but he was an asshole on ostensibly the right side. Okay, okay. <laughs> Robert E. Lee is the one that was bad. I understand that. I understand but that. Also, I know well, Grant Lee. I thought all that. we understood that. Sh- I understood. I thought Sherman was understood to be on the right team. <laughs> Still, the slaveholding racist team, but the right team. All right. So there's a David. David wants to make my life difficult with a fun edit today. So, uh, in, in for the last couple of minutes, we've been. Our, David has been under the impression that William Tecumseh Sherman was a uh, general for the Confederacy <laughs> and not the Union, which led to him having some weird cognitive dissonance about Sherman setting up the Sea Islands and Sacks yeah. and all of that stuff. Um, so we're just going to gloss over that. There's about two minutes of me just absolutely berating David over uh, not understanding that like the third most famous general in the Civil War fought on which side. Granted, they're all garbage human beings, so I, I will I will let it slide. I was, was um, going to say, yeah, I mean, I I'm usually, again, you know, 
I'm usually not this dumb with history, but I have just huge, <laughs> huge holes of, of bad memory. And yeah, I only yeah. remembered Sherman as the burn Atlanta guy. And um, then forgot that Atlanta was in the South. No, I know so that Atlanta was, was in the South. In I was in my head. That I mean, was, you say that. In my head, that was like the North was coming down to Atlanta and like he burned it to, to screw the North over and wound up screwing the South more. No, no, no. Sherman's March to the Sea, man. He he uh he he just got him up and then walked him all over to the coast. Gotcha. It was, it was a good time. Gotcha. It's great. Burned the whole South down. He was a bad person, but okay. he fought on okay. the on the good team. In so my, that's in my, in my our- head. The burning of Atlanta was like he was losing the battle. He burned Atlanta, and that turned out poorly for the South. For some reason, that's how it went in my head. Ah, ah. David is doing. Uh, David is doing alternate alt history in his head at all times. <laughs> all of a sudden, Trotsky is leading the white or leading the white army in his in his weird. Head. I'm gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of some things here, but that's uh, no, that's and and again, it's knowing anyone who is like super boned up on the Civil War. I'm always suspect of because I'm like. You don't study it that hard unless you really want to find how the South could have won, did you? That's what you're really doing. Let's be honest. I, I appreciate you saving me for dumb, dumb ass because I. <laughs> no one should. I'm know. usually not matter. this bad with history. I'm usually pretty good. It with doesn't history. matter. No, you're good about history that matters, David. Okay. If we want to talk about leftist history, I will trust you implicitly. I know the bad history. I'm really good at the bad history <laughs> that no one should know because it's worthless and it's a bunch of racists doing bad racist stuff. So that being said, uh, I think we've I think we've solved our uh, our fun crisis of faith here. Yeah, uh, we're back through Sam and P. Chase, back through Lorenzo Thomas. Okay. He, we're, so we're back at the bottom of page 75. Yes. You're following along at home. He appointed three commissioners, Messrs. Field, Schickle, and Livermore, to lease plantations and care for the employees. He sought to encourage private enterprises instead of government colonies, but he fixed the wages of able-bodied men over 15 years of age at $7 per month. For able-bodied women, $5 per month. For children, 12 to 15 years, half price. He laid a tax for revenue of $2 per 400 pounds of cotton and $0.05 cents per bushel on corn and potatoes. This plan naturally did not work well for the lessees of plantations, proved to be more the most part adventurers and speculators. Mm -hmm. Of course, such men took advantage of the ignorant people. Oh, you don't say. The commissioners themselves seem to have done more for the lessees than for the laborers. And in fact, the wages were from the beginning so fixed as to benefit and enrich the employer. $2 per month was charged against each of the employed, ostensibly for medical attendance, but to the most plantations, thus least, no physicians or medicine ever came and there were other attendant cruelties which avarice contrived on 15 plantations leased by the negroes themselves in this region there were notable successes and also a few other instances in which humanity and good sense reigned the contracts were generally carried out here the negroes were contended and grateful and were able to pay by small gains to lay by small gains. Apologies. This plantation arrangement along the Mississippi under the commissioners, as well as the management of the numerous infirmary camps passed about the close of 1863 from the war to the treasury department, a new commission of agency with Mr. WP Mellon of the treasury. That has to be of Carnegie (laughs) Mellon bank. It absolutely has to be. God damn it. Why are they all here? Uh, at the head established more careful and complete regulations than those of general Thomas. This time it was done decidedly in the interest of the laborers. Whoa. That, that doesn't happen often. 
<laughs> July 2nd, 1864, an act of Congress authorized the Treasury agents to seize and lease for one year all captured and abandoned estates and to provide for the welfare of former slaves. Property was declared abandoned when the lawful owner was opposed to paying the re- revenue. The Secretary of the Treasury, Fessenden, <laughs> therefore issued a new series of regulations relating to freedmen and abandoned property. The rebellious states were divided into seven districts with a general agent and special agents. Certain tracts of land in each district were set up. (laughs) Special agent tract of land over here. Certain tracts of land in each district were set apart for the exclusive use and working of the freedmen. These reservations were called freedmen labor colonies and were under the direction of the superintendents. Schools were established both in the home colonies and in the labor colonies. This new system went into operation in the winter of 1864 to 65 and worked well along the Atlantic coast and Mississippi Valley. In the Department of the Gulf, however, there was a disconnect between the Treasury agents and the military authorities. Eh, Back to the Gulf. And among the Treasury officials themselves, the Treasury agents in many cases became corrupt. But these regulations remained in force until the Freedmen's Bureau was organized in 1865. By 1865, there was strong testimony as to the efficacy, efficiency of the Negro worker. The questions of the freedmen being self-supporting no longer agitated the minds of careful observers. Carl Schultz felt warranted in 1865 in asserting, Many freedmen, not single individuals, but whole plantation gangs, are working well, others are not. The difference in the efficiency coincides in a great measure with the certain differences in the conditions under which they live. Huh. Wait a minute. It's almost <laughs> like people's material conditions affect their uh, outcomes and things yeah. like that. That's, yeah, it's that's weird. interesting. Weird. Weird. The conclusion lies near that if the conditions under which they work were well become general, their efficiency as free laborers will become general also, aside from individual exceptions. Certain it is that by far the larger portion of the work done in the South is done by freedmen. <gasps> These words are so damn clear. Also, I just, yeah, I kind of like plantation gangs. Like I'm watching, you know, then like the, the jets and the sharks snapping yeah. up. Like <laughs> 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 we harvest corn, buddy. <laughs> Cow peas over here. <laughs> All right, uh, White Law right. Reed, which I almost read as White Claw Reed, said in 1865. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoever has read and I have re- written about in the cotton fields of St. Helena will need no assurance that another cardinal sin of the slave is laziness, inborn and in re- in eradicable, as we have always been told by the masters, is likewise disappearing under the stimulus of freedom and necessity, dishonesty and indolence, then under the creation of slavery, not the necessity of constitutional faults of the Negro character. So again, I mean, this is clearly... St- stating it's one of two things okay all these plantation owners were always saying they're lazy they're lazy they're lazy they're lazy most likely they're just straight up not and the plantation owners were complaining because all they care about is squeezing more profit more profit out and so any second of humanity uh is laziness to them uh but also any lack of actually hard working is is a lack of motivation from being any alienated from your labor you're working as hard as you have to to not get whipped and have your family ripped apart Beyond that, um, if you don't have this myth of the laziness and of the the you know the need for us mm-hmm. someone to be standing over you to, to keep you motivated and keep you working, again, it works in this it works in that humanity aspect that they mm-hmm. can't have. They can't see freedmen. They can't see black people as human, or their entire system falls apart. Mm-hmm. It ha- they have to be subhuman. They have to be lazy. If they weren't lazy, if they were self-motivated to work for themselves and be contributing members of society, then, then they why deserve would stuff. they need to be slaves? Yeah. Why should they be I slaves? They should be regular. They should be people like everyone else. You have to break people of that in order to get them there. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, this, that's really the whole, the whole crux of this entire 
uh, episode, these these last four pages or so have been really, really hammering home yeah. the concept of no, this this all of these myths went away as soon as the freedmen were able to to have any agency or contribute in any meaningful way for their own, you know, for the general good. They jumped to it and they were among the best workers and they 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 took to it completely naturally in a way that should completely dispel any of these myths and yet I have a feeling if uh, history is to be believed, that's not going to be the case, is it? Yeah, no. Uh, and also, I mean, of course, you know, the other part of this is that there were some good times where, um, um, you know, people of color were treated fairly. Uh, I mean, you know, black people in this country yeah, were given an opportunity out of out of necessity. I mean, out of a war and there's yeah, just too exactly, much going on. Exactly. Uh, but they were treated fairly for a minute. And all of a sudden they had, you know, flourishing communities. They took care of each other. Uh, there was, you know, a lack of, of crime. There was a, a lack of violence. Everything was going extremely well in, in a communal fashion. And of course, um, spoiler alert, this book is going to be about how that didn't wind up the, the way things went in the long run. Uh, so to continue yeah. on that, we're going to have to continue with the quote of uh, White Claw here. Um, Next week. No, 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 no. He's still being quoted. Next. He's still being quoted. Finish the and quote. We're going to come. Da- we'll finish the quote. Thank you. All right. Uh, White Law recontinues. Returning from St. Helena in 1865, Dr. Richard Fuller was asked what he thought of the experiment of free labor as exhibited among the former slaves and how it contrasted with the old order of things. I never saw St. Helena look so well, was the instant reply. Never saw as much land under the cultivation. Never saw the same general evidences of prosperity. Never saw Negroes themselves appearing so well or contented. Others noticed, however, that the islands about Beaufort were in better condition than those near the encamp uh, the encamp encampment sorry uh, of the united states soldiers wherever poultry could be profitably peddled in the camps cotton had not been grown nor had the negroes developed so readily in the industrious and orderly communities similar testimony came from the mississippi valley west from the border states like virginia and north carolina so again i mean he's saying that where the United States wasn't setting it out aside for war provisions and making them pay in their provisions, where they were able to just be completely free, they totally focused on standard of living, and things were even better. Um, but, mm-hmm. of course, there were places where, you know, cotton had to be picked and, and, and needs had to be satisfied. And now... And we'll we pick that up next week! Yeah, now... All right, now I can do my head <laughs> next week. All right, guys. So, again, this will... We will we will be recording another one after this. So, this will mm-hmm. be the first time in a month or so that if something pops up in the next 24 hours or next week, uh, we're not going to know about it. Nope. So, just just bear with us. We'll, yes. we'll do the same disclaimer at the beginning of next episode, but, you know, bear with us. That being said, um, if we got some uh, basic fact wrong. Like maybe we uh, uh, did not know which side <laughs> one of the only Ugh. three known generals of the entire civil war was I'm on. I'm never going to live that uh, maybe, we thought, maybe we thought he was a wild, you know, you had Grant on the union, you had Lee in the middle, and then Sherman's a wild card, baby. He's a, he, he goes back and forth. You never know where to pin down Sherman. He's doing his thing. He's like Italy um, in World War II, damn it. Exactly. Oh, exactly. That's what he's like. Um, so we, uh, yeah, if we, if we screw anything like that up, please feel free uh best place to correct us is usually either on uh, discord email or in the dms if you want to hit us up on email it is marksmadnesspod at gmail.com mm-hmm. uh there you can you can write to your heart's content yes. and we we really do take that uh, anything that's written in there if there's a correction that needs to be made we will make it we are not ignoring any of it mm-hmm. um unless, unless you're like a fascist if you're a fascist we'll probably ignore <laughs> you but you're not listening this far into the episode to know what my email address is you goofy goofs um <laughs> if you wanted to get us on twitter dms are open we're out there we're doing stuff we're tweeting uh it is marks Mad- at marks madness pod 
on Twitter. And if you want to hop in the Discord, uh, go to Twitter and check our uh, Twitter bio. Because yes. the link to the Dumb and Awful Discord where uh, I live and David is an itinerant farmer that, that comes and goes at will. <laughs> um, he uh, well, That's where we live. And that's where we talk and play yes. video games and listen to other podcasts and things like that. You know, we do all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's going on in there. Um, that being said, I can't think of anything else. David, uh, do you want to, uh, uh yeah, I, I, I just want to remind people, of course, you know, uh, two things. One is entire point of this podcast, as always, is that hopefully you're within a party and if not an organization and you're going out and doing work and also having reading groups and discussions. And that's what, what we really hope. And these, uh, can either be, you know, complementary to those discussions, uh, to give you even better context, even more deep understanding on these works uh and and another place to help review and absorb these works or or even you know different books from what's being done in your discussion uh save that uh hopefully you can read these along by yourself and we can be the discussion group because we know that's not available for everybody and save that you know if you have a difficult uh difficulty reading or getting a hold of the text um you know maybe then we can be you know cliff notes where we summarize or in places where we go word for word like this be your your ebook with uh extra information uh whatever it is that gets this information to you and makes it easier for you to read because you need theory. And always remember, you know, praxis is theory in action and theory is for sharpening your praxis. And right now is definitely time to go out there and to organize uh, in this crisis. Uh, of course, there's times like I think it's in Miami now or it was it, maybe it's Palm Beach or somewhere in Florida. Uh, they're actually making it illegal to beg for food or money um, if you're homeless to panhandle under like the auspice that it's it's preventing uh covid so you know i mean this yeah. is definitely a time that houseless people um people in need need you uh, i know indigenousaction.org uh has a good article there about how to do a do-it-yourself emergency hand washing station um that they're, Ooh, they're updating that. with different links and, and printouts uh so go uh you know visit indigenousaction.org check out the do-it-yourself emergency action uh hand washing station uh, article and see if you can you know apply that uh, towards an organization around you. Obviously, just go listen. Find out what people need. Listen. You know, yeah. if people are having trouble with rent. You know, you can help them organize a rent strike. Uh, if people are having trouble getting food, you can help them find food. Uh, if people are having trouble, uh, you know, just out on the street, you know, houseless people needing water or soap or socks or, or things like that. You know, people in prisons uh, needing soap, needing communication with the outside world, things like that. You know, just listen to people. Uh, advocacy for people in prisons, of course, too. You know, listen to people. Find out what they need. Uh, and just, just, you don't have to be an organizer. Obviously, we, you know, we hope, uh, organizers, organizers are always needed. Uh, but any, any praxis, you know, you don't have to go out there and lead, go out there with humility, realize this group's already doing these things and either help a group that just needs more manpower or more organizers. Uh, or if you need, you know, if you see a need that, that needs filled, you know, fill that need, either start a program in a, in a group or start another group. Um, whatever, just, just, you know, be brave, listen and, and do what's needed. And, uh, and we appreciate Dude, yeah. having you here on the show. Amen. That being said, this has been uh, Mark's Madness. Uh, my name is Nathan. My name is David. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.